Okay, we're up to Daf Kuf Yud Beis Amid Aleph. Top line. So just to review, according to Rami Bar Chama, Rami Bar Chama's opinion is the way he interprets the Mishnah is that if someone steals, let's say, a laptop, and passes away, the children do not have to return the item, even though the item is intact. It's not just money. Why? Because he says Rishus Yoyrish Kirishus Dami, meaning. We know that for a person to acquire a stolen item, you need Yush and Shina Rishos. So you have Yush. Where's the Shina Rishos? Because the inheritor is considered like a third party. It's like he sold it. The inheritor is not a continuation of the father. It's like a Lekeach. It's like he purchased it. That was what yesterday. So the Gemara says today, a different version. Some have a, the same Rabbi Barchama, but on a different Gemara. So the Gemara says like this, the beginning of Kufiyud Beis Medalov. Rav Barava has the same teaching of Rav Barachama, but instead of this being the source, a different price is the source. What does the price say? Instead of the father leaving a laptop, the father uh, did business with ribis, he did business with interest, and he's got a wad of interest money, and then he passes away. Even though the children know that the money was gotten through ribis. You do not have to return it. The question is why? So here's the deal. According to Rabbi Barachama, it's the same thing. Says Rabbi Barachama, So Rabbi Barachama says the same thing. Why is the children don't have to return the money? They know it's ribis. The answer is, Yish and Shina Rishos. Ribis is a form of theft. You have Yish of the owners and Shina Rishos. By going to inheritance, it's considered going to a third party. Oh, Yish and Shina Rishos. Okay, it's the same thing, but it's a different source. The Gemara says this source is not as good as the first source. Why? Because the truth is, ribis might be a little different. It says the Gemara Rava, oh, my Rava says, no. I don't think that's a good source. Why? Again, what's the concept? The concept is that you steal, you, you do business in the ribis, and then you pass away. Your children don't have to turn the money. Why? The only rationale, says Ram Barachama, is because inheritance is like a a separate ownership. So you have Yish and Shinarishos. Maybe not. Maybe inheritance is a continuation. If it's a continuation, why don't you have to return the money? Because the Pasuk says regarding Ribis, mm-hmm. the Pasuk says, do not take interest from your neighbor, so that you can live together. Right? Meaning, the Pasuk specifically addresses that your brother will live with you. You, not your children, meaning it could be Rivis is different. Why? Rivis by its nature, while it is theft, it's a different kind of theft. You gave him the money willingly. Right? It's not like a case I broke into your house. You gave him the money willingly. But the Torah says don't do it, and we're going to treat it like theft. But when the Torah addresses Rivis, it specifically says, that your brother is going to live with you, which implies that after you pass away, your children don't have to return the money. Meaning, it could be in general, in general, the children are considered a continuation. So then how come the children don't have to return the ribbis? Because when the Pasuk addresses ribbis, it addresses the person, not his children. Maybe the Torah specifically is saying, you have to return the money, not your kids. Why? Because the whole rib is, it's not a classic theft. It's that the society can't function if you take interest from your friend and stare him the next morning and look him in the eyes. You have to return the money. But once you die, your kids don't have to. Meaning, rib is the exception. That's the point. In other words, the Gemara says, The Pasuk specifically says, that You could live with him. 
Only to you the Pasuk says you have to return. Therefore, we have two versions of where Rabbi Barakham had his source. This source is not as good because of that, you could argue, is the reason that Ribis might be the exception and not the rule. The Gemara says, the one who said that the source of Rabbi Barakham is from Ribis will definitely be comfortable with the source from the Mishnah. But the one who felt that the source of the Mishnah will not like the source from Ribas because of Rava's, uh, Rava's point, that Ribas might be uh, an exception to the rule and therefore might work fundamentally different. Okay. Tan Rabbanon, the run, the run through some halachas. Ahmed Bez is very simple. It's interesting. It's just uh, a lot of interesting dinam. Um, there's one line in this Ahmed that's a little tricky, but we'll, we'll do our best. Tan Rabbanon, let's, let's go through the prices slowly based on what we have yesterday. It's a lot of review of what we had yesterday. You steal property, and you feed it to your children. So you steal chicken, and you give your children to eat. They don't have to pay back. Why? Because there's yush, and there's shin rishus. And by you them eating it, they're, not, they're potter. The ganaf has to pay, not them. Let's keep going. Let's say instead of eating the chicken, he left the chicken to them, or a laptop, make it easier. Steal a laptop, and then you pass away, and you leave it to your children. So we said before... If the item is still intact, according to Rava, you have to return it. Rabbi Barachama had a different opinion because but Pashas, you have to return it. Says the Gemara Nudinim. If the children are under Bar Mitzvah, they don't have to return it. Now, why would this be? So, this is going to be the opinion of. Yeah, but till then, they don't have to. Why? So, this is the following the view of Sumchas. Sumchas believes that children under Bar Mitzvah cannot be taken to court. Because they cannot be taken to court, they're not litigants. You can't do a, you can't do a judgment without the Bali Dinim there, without the plaintiff and defendant being there. And because they can't serve as a plaintiff or a defendant, for technicality reasons, because they're not adults, therefore you're stuck. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, you're locked up. Sorry, sorry, question. Yush is immediate? Or there's a time... Well, by theft, we assume it's right away when they find out. By a lost object, also, but yeah, but but by, by Geneva, we assume there's an automatic use. The second they find out that it's, that it's stolen. So the Gemara said like this. So this, this opinion that Kitanim do not have to return the item because there can't be litigants and you can't do a judgment without the plaintiff and defendant being there. So for technical, it's sumchus. Okay. Kitanim p'tum The im omru, now another halacha. Im omru g'daylum. Let's say the children, again, the, the father... The father dies, leaves him a laptop. You go over to the kids. They're above bar mitzvah. And you say, that's my laptop. He stole from me. So what's the halacha? The adult bar mitzvah kids have to give it back because it's stolen. But says the Gemara, Im amru if those kids that are above bar mitzvah said, I don't know my father's business. Meaning, I don't know if it's stolen. My father never told us that it was stolen. Pater, they don't have to give it back. Now that doesn't make sense. The guy says with 100% certainty it's stolen. And they say, I don't know if it's stolen. Fine. Well, what, I don't know. He's saying vadai. They're saying I don't know. So why do we believe them? Says the Gemara. Because they claim they don't know. It's not that they're saying we know it's not stolen. They're just saying our father never talked to us about his finances. 
So, okay, <laughs> okay, fine. So, that's a reason to listen to them. Mara says, no, 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 no. I'm a rabbi hachi kamer. Gedoylem shem yoydim anu cheshboyne shechishavinu imach, beloi pasha kawach loi midi. No, no, no. If they say, not that we're not sure, we know he didn't leave it to us. We spoke to our dad, and he told us not one ounce of information, not one ounce of not one item that's being left to us was stolen. All of it was gotten through um, proper gains. Then we believe them because then it's it's a it's a vade against a vade, and they're mochzik. So you got he's got the the burden of proof now falls on the other guy. He brings Aiden, That's a different story. I guess the chiddush is because you could argue that the kids saying they know for sure when they weren't really involved. Correct. Yeah, I mean that's the chiddush that the kids saying we know because our dad told us. He could say, "Listen, you're not, uh, sweetie, sit down." Uh, it's between, the adults are talking. The chiddush is no. If they say that the father told them this, we believe. We believe them. It's a vade. Okay. So we said before that if children um, that if children are under bar mitzvah, they don't have to return the item according to sumchas. Okay. So tani yidach another brayso hagoyz l'machel banov. No, hagoyz l'machel banov. That if a person steals and again feeds it to his children, they don't have to pay. That we know. If he left it before them intact and then they ate it, so he steals a cell phone, a laptop, dies, leaves them the laptop, so they should have to return it. But then they sell the laptop. What's the halacha? They have to pay. Now it makes sense. They, they shouldn't have sold it. They sold the laptop. The item was intact at the time. The father steals the laptop, dies, leaves it there, so they should have to return it because it's intact. But before they return it, they sell it. So they have to pay for it. they got to give them the money. Look, it's posh. But it says whether they sold it, whether they're adults or children. Here's the problem. If a child sells it, how could you take him to court? You're going to say, you caused me damage. You can't take a child to court for a hezek. He's like, under bar mitzvah. So what? If the, if the, if, and I'm saying, even without Sumchus. Sumchus's opinion is that a child cannot be a litigant bechalal. But over here, Sumchus is a chiddush. Sumchus's case is that Reuven has a uh, has a, a case against Shimon, but Shimon died, so now his son Levi. So Sumchus says you can't even take Levi to stand in court in in, in his father's place. That's a big chiddush. This is not the, what's going on over here. What's going on over here is you want to take Levi to court for his actions that he sold the laptop, so he should have to pay because he was mazik by selling the laptop. He's a kid. A kid breaks a window, you can't take him to court. So the Gemara says, Even if a, a minor under bar mitzvah damages your window, you can't take him to court. So how could you take him to court for selling the laptop? So No, 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 no. What it means is that the laptop is still intact and they didn't yet sell it, you take him to court. Okay, and that's the sheet of Sumchas. Okay. Now let's go back there. This is the only part... It's a little bit tricky. I'll do my best to explain it. I don't think it's that complicated. Amar Rava. Rava says two halachas. Then he said a third halacha that's either the second part of A or the second part of B. So A and B, two halachas. And then he said a statement, which is either finishing off A or finishing off B. Okay. Halacha number one. The father died and left them a cow that he borrowed. So, you're allowed to, they're allowed to continue the borrowing term. So, let's say he borrowed it for 100 days, then died two days in, they could continue using it for 98 days. Okay. Mesa, let's say the animal died. Now, the halach is generally, if a borrower borrows an item and the animal dies, you have to pay for it. Okay. Over here, he borrows the, uh, borrows the cow dies, his kids then use the cow, and while they're using it, the cow dies. What's the halacha? 
They don't have to pay. Why? Because they didn't borrow from him. Meaning they, they get the benefits of using it, but they're not the borrower. They never agreed to those terms. Therefore, they do not have to pay. That makes sense. So far, so good. That's statement number A. And statement B. Let's say they take the animal, not realizing that the father borrowed it, they thought it was their dad's, and they slaughter it. The halacha is, They pay for the cow's meat when it's sold at a cheap rate. The cheap rate is two-thirds of the market value. So they pay for the meat as if it's two-thirds. Now, they don't have to pay the full price because had they known that it was going to be full price, they wouldn't have done it, they wouldn't have slaughtered it, but they have to pay for like the, the, the bottom market value of what he could have gotten. Okay, now that's so two halachas. Number one is if, if the animal dies while they're using it, they don't have to pay. But number two is if they slaughter it, they do because they never agreed to borrow it. Their father did so the first one is if the animal dies, naturally, they don't have to pay. But if they murder the animal, they do have to pay. Okay, those two halachas, simple. A third halacha, that's either the end of A or the end of B. What's the third halacha? But if the father left land, they have to pay. Now this could be the end of A, or this could be the end of B. Let me explain each one, and I'll tell you the chiddish if it's one of them, and you'll see. Let's go with its option number A, which means they bought, the father bothers an animal, dies. They are allowed to use the animal. If the animal dies, they don't have to pay because they never agreed to the terms. But if the father left real estate, they have to use the real estate to pay for the animal. Why? Because there's a lien. The father, when he borrowed the animal and there was real estate at the time, that means that there was a lien on the real estate towards the value of the animal. If the animal dies, then they have to pay for it. That's A. What's the chiddush of this? The chiddush of this is, it assumes that when you borrow an animal in January and the animal dies in March, when does the chiyav begin? Does the chiyav begin when the animal dies? Or does the chiyav really stem back to January? You borrow an animal in January for a year. March, the animal drops dead. You have to pay. The question is, when does the chiyav begin? Does it begin in March? Or does it really stem back to the beginning of the borrowing times? What's the difference? No, I'm talking about lien purposes. Liens on the property. An animal, you borrow an animal in January for 12 months. The animal dies in, in March. You have to pay. When does the chiv actually begin to pay? Is it in March or is it in January? What's the nafkamina? This case. Think about it. It's a couple of nafkaminas, nafkaminas in this case. The father borrowed the animal in January with land. So you assume, oh, there's a lien. Chiv starts then. The animal died three months later under the kid's watch. We're now requiring the children to use that real estate to pay off because you're assuming the chiv to pay stems back from the beginning of the borrowing term. But if you actually feel that the chiv is chal now at the time of death, at the time of death, it's not the father's property anymore. It's theirs. So it, your whole assumption that because the father borrowed in January and had real estate, therefore there's a lien going back to January. And if the animal were to die three months later after the father's death, they'll have to use that real estate to pay is making an assumption. And it's making an assumption that the chi of hashlama, the chi of to pay, does not stem from when it died, but actually from when it actually began the borrowing term. There's one more nafkamina of the shaila of when does the chi of begin. Generally, it's not relevant because you have to pay anyway. But the, 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 and, and, 
it doesn't really matter generally because you'll have to pay, and if you have real estate, they'll take your real estate now. Whether there's a lien or not, it doesn't really make much of a difference. But one other nafkamina is what if you borrowed the animal on a Sunday and you kill it on Shabbos? If the chiv of payment is from the time of the death or the time of the accident, kim lebe the chiv is happening at the same time as Shabbos. But if the chiv really stems from the time of the borrowing, that when you borrowed on Sunday, if the animal ever would not be able to be returned retroactively your chayev then, so then the chiyav, you'll have to pay because the chiyav and the chil Shabbos are not happening at the same time. So this, if you take the second part of the statement and place it on the ratio, that if the animal were to die on its own after the father's death, they don't have to pay, but if he has real estate, you do, that's assuming that the chiyav stems all the way back to the borrowing, which is not like Rav Papa. Okay. But there's another option, and that is that the statement of real estate is not going on the first statement, but it's going on the second statement. That is, that if the kids murder the animal, they have to pay the cheaper rate, and then, and some put it on the seifa, and that is, that if, the, if they slaughter the animal, thinking it was their father's, they have to pay this, the cheaper rate, but if they have real estate, they have to pull the, pay the full market value. That's a little different because that's because they did the action themselves of murdering the animal, then they're standing in their father's place. It's not related to our discussion. So the Gemara says, If you take the second part of the statement and put it on the ratio, that means that if they borrowed the animal, if the father borrowed the animal and died, and then they use the animal, and the animal drops dead on its own, but they father left real estate, they have to use real estate to pay. That's not like Rav Papa, because Rav Papa feels that the Chiyav does not stem back from the time of the borrowing, but it's from right now. So this Shaila of whether they have to use the real estate to pay, of whether the Chiyav goes back to the time the father borrowed it, or from the time of death, is related to that Shaila of Rav Papa. What's Rav Papa's opinion? Dam Rav Papa, If a person steals an animal on Sunday, and then he slaughters it on Shabbos, Chayev, he's obligated to pay the four or five payments. Why? Because a Ganef, not borrowing, a Ganef, who steals it on Sunday, at that moment he's Chayev. All the Chayuvim stem then. So when he slaughters it, that coming Shabbos, the Chayev is not really from Shabbos, it's really from Sunday, from the time of the Gneva. Therefore, the, mer- the, the Chayev Misa of Chilo Shabbos is not at the same day, at the same time as the Chayev of Mamon. There is no Kimlev of the Ramine. But... But let's say you borrow the animal on Sunday and then you murder it on Shabbos. Potter, you don't have to pay. Why? Because our Papa feels that the Chiyav does not go back from the time of the borrowing. It's from right now. And right now it's Shabbos. So therefore, Rav Papa would not agree that the kids would have to use the real estate to pay because he feels that the fact that the father borrowed it in January does not make a lien automatic on the property from January. Rav Papa feels that the Chiyav stems from that time of accident, not the time of the borrowing. Okay. So this Shaila of whether the kids would have to use the real estate to pay off the, the borrowing would be related to Rav Papa Shaila. It's not easy, but... The kids are... Rav Papa Shaila is, whenever you borrow an animal and an accident happens later, does the Chiyav stem back from the time of the borrowing or from the time of the accident? Our sugya is related... How you learn our sugya will be related to how you understand Rav Papa, whether you agree with Rav Papa or not. 
The Gemara says the rest of the daf is, is lighter. That was the only part that was uh, tricky. Tanur Abana on Reheshev Zagzela Shagaza. The puzzle says you have to return the theft that which you stole. So you have to add the words that which you stole. Return the theft. What's Asher Gazal? Says the Gemara. Yachzer Kein Shagaza. You only have to return the item if the item is still in existence. Mikan Amru Hagayzul Machlus Banav. This is the source that if you steal an item and serve it to your children, Petur Milashalim, they are not obligated to pay the owner because by the time they got involved, it was already a Shinoi. You have to pay, not them. But if you left a laptop intact, whether they're adults or children, they have to pay. This is a Sumchas Hashita. I mentioned Sumchas Hashita. Sumchas believes that children under Bar Mitzvah cannot be litigants. And therefore, due to a technicality purpose, they cannot be taken to court. Because they can't be taken to court, they cannot be obligated to return the item because you can't have a court case without the plaintiff and defendant. Because they can't serve as either, therefore, due to technicality purposes, you won't be able to get the item. Kids on the bar mitzvah cannot serve as litigants. The Gemara says the following story. Bar Chamua de Rav Yirmiya, Tarek Gale Be'ape de Rav Yirmiya. Okay, Rav Yirmiya's father-in-law, Rav Yirmiya, his father-in-law, had a piece of property that Rav Yirmiya felt he had sold to him. There was a dispute. This land was a dispute between Rav Yirmiya and his father-in-law. Okay? Rav Yirmiya's father-in-law dies, leaving a son who's under Bar Mitzvah. So now, Rav Yirmiya's got problems with his brother-in-law. It's his brother-in-law, right? So his brother-in-law and him are having a dispute now. now his brother-in-law is under Bar Mitzvah. So he was going to go to his house. Again, he thinks it's his house. He believes that it was sold to him. He's going to his house. His brother-in-law, under Bar Mitzvah, closes the door in front of him, doesn't let him in. So the Gemara says, also come to Revavin. So they go to Revavin. He wants to take his brother-in-law to court. His brother-in-law is under Bar Mitzvah. Omar, shaloyhu teveya. Revavin said, he's claiming what's his, meaning can't do anything about it. It's his property. I could produce witnesses that I've been living there for three years. And we know that if a person lives somewhere for three years, it's squatter's rights. So I, I could prove with witnesses that it's my house. Go to the next page. Do we accept Adam Shalib of Baldin? How are you going to do it without the defendant there? Meaning, and if you follow Sumchis, he's under Bar Mitzvah. He can't be a defendant. So you can't have a court case without a defendant. And for technicality purposes, he can't be a defendant. So Veloy, so what is Yirmiya responded? I thought we just had a price that says that if you have a stolen laptop, you could take make the kid, take the young kid on the Ramasa to court. So what's the answer? That price is the Rabbanon. They're following Sumchas. It's a machlaikis tanoim. Meaning, Rav Avin responds, I'm following Sumchas. That Braisa, which says is allowed, is the Rabbanon. We follow Sumchas. By the way, it's a strange thing that we follow like a yachid connected the rabbin. It's interesting. And kids, sorry, excuse me, kids can fully inherit things under the mitzvah 100 Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, Silchus, if anyone ever wants to know, he's buried right by Romero Balanes in the same, like, literally two feet away, which is interesting. Uh, so I, I told, when we were by the cover, like my mother asked me, like she wanted to know a little bit more about like Silchus, who's there. I said, Whenever he gives an opinion, it, 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 it throws the Gemara off. That, that I could tell you for sure. Every time Silchus comes in with a one-liner, the Gemara goes like five dafim, you know, shaking, shaking the Gemara a little bit, shaking the sugya. So, Stam Mishra of Meir, and he's buried in So, Silchus, interesting. So, the point is, so Silchus, 
So the machloek is machloek is simchas the rabbanon, and I guess Rav Abin was following simchas. So the Gemara says, "Amar ichbil kuli alma v'koy simchas lafkin ledidi." So Rav Yirmiyah says, "Everyone follows simchas's opinion. You're going to take it away from me." Meaning, Rav Yirmiyah felt I I can disagree with simchas. Fine. So the Gemara continues, "Adehachi egalgal milsa asa umatul kamidir avo." The story eventually reached Rav Avo. Again, of whether Rav Yirmiyah could take his brother-in-law to court who's on the Bar Mitzvah. So Amar, he said, Doesn't everyone know the teaching of Rav Yoshiah? Says Rav Yoshiah, let's say a kid on the Bar Mitzvah claims that Gavin's backyard is his. And he brings Adam, he brings uh, slaves to, you know, to sort of to show that they were here. Basically, he wants to try to take your backyard. The halach is, we don't wait till he's bar mitzvah to deal with it. You kick him out right away, and when he's above bar mitzvah, he'll take you to court. So what do you say? Meaning, right away, we don't wait. Take him, th- right away, Bezdin will, 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 will deal with him. So you say that you could deal with it. Meaning, he's going to be the defendant. Bezdin will say, get out of here when you're above Bar Mitzvah and you have proper aid, then come back. So what do you see? Bezdin deals with him. They don't say, oh, you can't do it. He's a, can't be a litigant. I, I can't touch him. They kick him out. So the Gemara says, no, that's not a good, that's not a good source. Why? That, that's not a good ride that, that will take a, a child in the Bar Mitzvah to court. Over there, he's trying to take your backyard. You have a chazaka. So we're not, we're not going to listen to him to override your chazaka. But over here, his father died, which means the property goes to him. Rav Yirmiya wanted to take the property from him. So maybe, maybe in other words, it's not a good raya that will take a kid to court. It's just a raya that we will not override chazaka for a kid on the bar mitzvah. So in your case, the chazaka is that it belongs to him. So maybe, maybe we just let it go, basically. So it's not a good raya. Okay. Um, Rav Ashi, um, Rav Shabtoi. Now this is sugya, this assumption that you can't take a kid to court according to Sumchus is because you can't have a court case without a litigant. You need the plaintiff and the defendant present. And because they can't serve as either, they can't be involved in a court case. So says Rav Ashi, um, Rav Shabtoi, We accept the testimony of witnesses even if the litigants are not present. Now that's a very strange thing. To, to accept Edus not in front of the plaintiff or defendant. It's very strange. They should be present. First of all, for it to be an edus, for it to be a, a court case, they have to be there. So how could you accept edus if the plaintiff and the defendant are not there? So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, Teheba Rav Yechon, Rav Yechon explained, Rav Yechon questioned, How could you accept edus if the litigants are not there? So Kibla Minei Rav Yechon, Rav Yechon, Rav Yechon, Rav Yechon received the following explanation. The only times we'll do it is you know what the case is? The case is, generally we will not accept Eidus if the litigants are not present. The only time we will do it is if the Eidim are sick, one of the litigants are sick and we're afraid they're going to die, so if you don't accept the Eidus right now, it's going to be gone. Or the Eidim would like to travel. Meaning the Eidim have a flight to Israel. So we'll, we'll call the litigants, and if they can come on time, good. If not, we'll accept the Eidus. Meaning, generally, we don't want the Eidim to, to make, testify if the litigants are not there, but we're not going to mess them up. If someone's going to die, if you're afraid that someone's very sick, then do it right away. Or if the Eidim want to travel, 
and we ask the litigants to come, but they can't make it in time. We say, we're having a court case tomorrow. Can you make it? No? So we're having this without you. We're not going to mess up the, we're not going to make them cancel the trip to Israel because because uh, you can't be present. Okay. The Gemara goes weiter. Amr Rav Yehuda Mishmuel, Mekablan Eidin Shalevin Veldin. Similarly, a similar teaching, we accept witnesses not in the presence of the litigants. Amr Okva, Ledim Farshan Shmuel. What's the case where we accept Eidus? When the litigants are not present, it's where the court has already started the case, meaning the plaintiff and defendant have already made their claims, they already started the court case. And they summon the defendant, meaning the plaintiff already started the case. The plaintiff started, they call the defendant, and he refuses to come. So if he refuses to come, we'll accept that he's not in his presence. But if they did not open the case, if they didn't, if they didn't open the case yet, then you can't accept the Adis not in front of the defendant. Why? Because the defendant could say, "I'm not. I don't believe in your court. I'm going to the bigger Bezdin." So the reason why he's not coming is not because it's not, he doesn't believe in the court. It says the Gemara. Wait a minute. If the if a defendant can just say, "I'm not. I'm not accepting your Bezdin," then why do you ever accept the Adis? Keep Even if they opened up the case, I mean, let's say the defendant and the plaintiff make their opening statements. Then we said, if they made their opening statements. Then uh, and the defendant doesn't show up, then we accept Adis not in his presence. Why? Maybe if they accepted the op- the case was they accepted the opening statements and then defendant realized these guys are a joke. I'm not going to this bezin. I'm going to bezin agado. Why can't that be a good taina? So the Gemara says Amaravina The case is where the plaintiff has a star from the bezin agado ordering them to do the court in the small bezin. Yeah, go back. So once they have that, then then are you showing not showing up? That's just that's just you being disrespectful, and we're not going to wait for you. The Gemara continues. Amar Rav, is a star We know there's a concept called kim stars. Kim stars means that for a star to be accepted, you have to you have to. Uh, what's, I'm not sure what's uh, what's it. Uh, notarized, not notarized. You have to show that it's real. You have aides come and testify about the aides witnesses, and they sign on it that it's a good star. You could do that even if the plaintiff or defendant are not present. So the Gemara says, Rav Yechon disagrees. He says, You can't do that. If the Bali Dinam are not there, how do you accept the Shtar if, if they're not there? What's Rav Yechon and Svara that the plaintiff and defendant have to be present to, to, to notarize the Shtar? Because the halacha is that when your ox is being judged for killing someone before they would kill it, the owner of the ox has to stand next to it. Why? That's not like you're giving moral support. The answer is, you see from this, that a plaintiff and defendant must be present for it to be an accepted bezdim. Accepted case, the plaintiff and defendant have to be present. Therefore, with the shtar as well. If the plaintiff or defendant are not present, you can't be mekayim the shtar. Amarava, Rava says, Hilchasa, what's the halacha? Mekayim the shtar shalai b'fnei baldin. The halacha is that we certify the loan document even if the litigant, the borrower, is not there. And even if the borrower was standing outside of the court screaming, I didn't borrow the money, I didn't borrow the money, we still do it. Why? It's not like he's claiming that the shtar is a false shtar. He's just saying, the question is, is the shtar good? Yes. He's saying, he's saying, uh, you know, I paid it back, I paid not, I didn't borrow the money, I paid it back, I paid it back. We, we don't listen to him. Says the Gemara Vaiter. Now let's say, Omar, let's say the borrower said, Nakita lazimna the shtar. Here's the case. Uh, me and Menashe are having an argument about whether uh, he paid me back or not. So I have a document that says that he borrowed money. 
I want to go to court and get it uh, authorized. Is notarized probably the wrong term? I don't know what a notary is. Uh, authorized. I know notarized, notarized stamps. That's from the. Okay. Yeah. You want to get it authorized. Notary. Notarized. So, Menashe doesn't show up. He refuses. We'll do without him. But let's say he goes to court and he says, listen, give me time. I have aids in that prove that it's a false document. I have aids in that prove it's a false document. So you know what we do? We give him a date. Okay? You have to March 1st. Yasa asa. If you come by March 1st, good. Eloy asa. But if you don't show up, we summon you to court. Let's say we gave you a time to show up to court. March 1st. If you don't show up, then we give you on Monday, Thursday, Monday. We call you on Monday, call you Thursday, call you Monday. Because there is situations that maybe you, you, someone was sick, whatever it was. They didn't have phones back then. You could call. right? If you're not showing up because you're disrespecting the court, problems. But let's say you're not showing up because stuff goes on in your life. So we're going to give you a Monday, and then a Thursday, and then a Monday. We're going to summon you three more times. And then if you don't come, we put you in Cheyrim for 90 days. Now, during these 90 days, okay, what's the next thing that Bezdin would do? They put you in Cheyrim, so they punished you personally. But again, the case is where I have a star that says you borrowed $1,000 from me, I want my money back. You said, give me till March 1st, I can prove that the star is false. We gave you to March 1st, you didn't show up. Called you Monday, didn't show up. Thursday didn't show up. Monday didn't show up. So now we put a bill of excommunication. You're in Cheyenne for 90 days. During those 90 days, though, I can't just go into your house and take the money. That's the next step, by the way. After 90 days, if you don't show up after 90 days, uh, they will give me a, uh, it's like a search warrant, but it's it's a seizure, uh, a seizing warranty. So whatever. I can just go into your house basically take my money back. But why do we give you 90 days of Cheyenne where we don't allow me to do that? So the Gemara says, so the first 30 days, you definitely can't go in to seize the property. Why? Because maybe you're borrowing money for 30 days. right? If it's, a, if it's a large amount of money that you owe me, it might take time for you to get the funds together. So during the first 30 days, you might be borrowing the money. Matsia, the second 30 days, we still won't allow you to seize the property. Because maybe the first 30 days you tried to borrow it, couldn't find anyone to borrow. Now the next 30 days you got to sell your item. It takes time to sell the items. And why the last 30 days do we not go in? Because we say, because maybe during the first 60 days you found someone to sell the item to, but that guy needs 30 days to get the money together. But after 90 days, you have had plenty of time to get your money together. If after 30 days, you, 90 days, you still don't get it, they will give you a, a star that allows me to enter your house to seize what you owe me. Correct? And because you have a star document that says that he owes him the money. Now, just to understand the next two minutes of the Gemara, there is one danger of giving someone a star that has a, a seizing the document. There is a chance that when you ask for your 90 days, whatever, to get Aiden, there's a chance you're telling the truth. You should have shown up to court, but there's a chance that you actually, there's a chance that I, you actually don't owe me the money. Again, the case is, I have a star that says you owe me $10,000. You said, no, no, it's a false document. I said, bring your Adam. March 1st. March 1st, you don't have anybody. Monday, Thursday, Monday, nothing. 90 days. 90 days, you still haven't paid me. Now they give me a second document that says, go into Menashe's house, take the money. Here's the concern, though. There is one concern, and that is if I go into your house, I take the money. There's a chance I actually never owed you it. Then what would happen? You'd have to bring Adam, and then you'd have to get your item back, because I just seized it. Says the Gemara, 
First of all, the whole thing that we give you 90 days is only when you said you're coming. But if you just didn't respond, right? Like that initial court case, it's not like you said, oh, I have, I have, I have aid him, that'll disprove you. You just completely uh, 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 ghosted us. Then they'll give you a seizing document right away. I'm not waiting 90 days. Secondly, also this whole 90 days thing is only for a loan. If I have, if you have my item, meaning it's not a loan, it's I gave you a laptop to watch and I want it back, I'll give you 90 days. You should have it right now. <laughs> 90 days is to gather funds, but if it's a picadon, give it right away. It says the Gemara, when do we write this document that allows you to seize other people's property? It's only for collecting of land. We will not allow you to seize movables. Why? Because what's the concern? I break into your house because I have the seizing document. I take your laptop. A week later, you prove with Aiden that I actually never, you never owe me the money. You want your laptop back, but it's a movable. I got rid of it. I sold it. Now you don't have your laptop anymore. So because of that, they'll only allow you to seize land. Says the Gemara, But they'll allow you to, oh, but says the Gemara, will allow you to seize movables if you have land. Meaning, it's not just that you could gather land, you could take a movable as long as you have land. Why? Because then, meaning as long as I have land, I could take movables. Why? Because let's say I was talking lying the whole time, and you prove with Aiden that you actually never owed me the money, and I took your thousand dollar laptop for no reason. You, now you come into my house, laptop's gone, bye bye. But I have land, so you at least get your money back. But says the Gemara, no, Veloihi, that's actually not true. Adarta will never allow you to, to seize movables. Why? I'll tell you why. You come in, you want your laptop back because you've proven that the whole thing was a sham. Laptop's gone. But I at least have land. But what if my land got ruined by that? So we'll actually never allow you to seize movables. We'll only allow you to seize land. Because then, if something happened to it, it happened to everybody's land. Says the Gemara, One more, a couple more halachas. When we write the seizure warranty, we notify the borrower. Meaning, if, if I have the rights to break into Menashe's house, we tell Menashe that. It's a good idea to keep everybody informed. So that he knows that if I go into his house... I'm not an intruder. I, I have, don't shoot. But says the Gemara, Hani But that's only true if the borrower Menashe in this case is close by. If he's far away, we don't notify him because, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess the chesed is we we want to tell him what's going on. Besides, for the whole don't shoot is because it gives you one final chance. Because then, if you know that I'm coming in, you'll you'll, you'll gather yourself together. But says the Gemara, if you're far away. Then no more time. No, don't even tell him. What's the point? That he should know he's ten thousand miles away. What's the point? Says the Gemara. But let's say he's far away, but there are relatives that are traveling to him. Or there are caravans that go back and forth. We'll actually give it twelve months. Why? Because we'll give him a chance to come back. After the seizing, all that stuff, we want to avoid me just breaking into your house. So if you know there are people traveling to him, or there's a chance that he can come back, we're going to give it 12 months. Kiha, what's the source? Not 12 months. That's a, By the way, that's a bit extreme. Like This has already been, he's been summoned to court five times. He already had 90 days. But now we're still going to give him 12 months. What's the source? When Mar'acha, was the plaintiff, they gave him 12 months before they gave him the seizing warranty of whoever owed him the money. 
So you see, he's supposed to give 12 months. The Gemara says that's not true. You actually don't give 12 months. So why did he give him 12 months? Because that guy was a, a very strong dude. And they knew that if he was given permission to seize property, um, the guy would never get it back. Regardless, even if he proved that it was seized uh, unlawfully, this guy would never give it up. This guy was known to be like a mobster. So they did not want him... Get, I mean, in other words, the reason why they gave the mobster 12 months is because they did not want the mobster taking law into his own hands. Because that was just a really bad idea. So they gave him 12 months, hoping that the guy would... would that the court case would, would dissolve. But generally, you don't wait 12 months. The Gemara says, Beloihi, Hosam Inish Alimahu. Maracha was a powerful person. And therefore, if you gave him the seizing warranty and he grabbed the laptop, even if you were to prove that he ever, actually never was owed the money, he's not giving it back. The Gemara says, You wouldn't be able to remove it from him. But the average case, we don't wait. You give the messenger till a Tuesday? And he can go back, meaning, if he can go on Tuesday and come back, if he can leave in the beginning and we come back by Wednesday, and then by, if he can be back by Thursday, I mean, in other words, Sunday, if you could send the guy, listen, tell the plaintiff, tell the defendant, if he could be here by Thursday, good, if not, season. That's it. We're not waiting 12 months. The end of the daf, Amar Ravina, Ravina says, hold on, hold on, you First we said he has 12 months to pick up the property. And now we say he only has two, three days. Correct. The 12 months was only for that specific case the guy was powerful. They didn't want him to get involved. But the regular cases, you have two, three days. Two, three days. Amar Ravina, Hai Shaluch um, uh, a court messenger from the Bezdin, if he says that he served the defendant the papers and he didn't show up, we believe him. I mean, this whole point is the guy's not coming to court. You're assuming that the UPS guy delivered it. They would have Shliach Bezdin that would, uh, you're served. If he says he served the papers, we believe him. So then if the guy doesn't show up, it means uh, we'll put him a chayim. We'll only believe him regarding excommunicating the defendant for not showing up. There was, there was excommunicating that was called writing a bill of excommunication. The problem is that if you write a bill of excommunication, the difference is if I put Gavin as a bezin, if I put Gavin in chayim, there's a difference between me putting him in excommunication and me writing a bill of excommunication. The difference being that if he wants the bill to ever be ripped up, he has to pay for the sofa. So we're only going to believe the shliach of Bezin that he delivered the papers not to write a bill of excommunication because the bill will cause him, he'll have to pay the sofa. We're not going to have him, we're not going to cost him money. We'll put him in cheirim based on the shliach Bezdin's statement, but we're not going to have him pay the cipher. That's not unnecessary. So we'll put him in cheirim, but we're not going to have them write up a bill of excommunication. You have to pay the cipher, Loy. We don't believe the Shliach Bezin for that. I will stop here. Not so bad. No, Baruch Hashem. The gangster thing is.